0: Does anyone remember this in, I don't know, the early mid-2000s when Chipotle first opened up? And I promise you, I'm going somewhere with this. (laughs) So when Chipotle first opened up, I will never forget my dad and I going and ordering food and we were just in awe. I remember thinking, first of all, this food is so delicious. I've never had anything like this before. Um, Yes, I was probably a little sheltered, but I remember just being like, wow, this is so tasty and it was so easy to order. It was just like going through a drive-through and Chipotle really established this new wave of what we now call fast casual restaurants, right? Everyone's familiar with this because now there's so many different kinds of fast casual restaurants mimicking exactly what Chipotle did in the mid 2000s. What's really interesting, though, is that this type of model, this business model, has not been widely adopted across other industries. So that's why I'm so excited to have Liz Georgie of Suna Studios on the podcast today. If you are a small business owner, you are a entrepreneur, you've likely been targeted by their ads. But what Suna did is they took this fast, casual model and applied it to content creation. Because when you think about Getting content for a brand, it is such a cumbersome process right now. You have to rent out studio space, you have to find a videographer, a photographer, you have to figure out what the setting is gonna look like. Um, The backdrop, the lighting, there's so many elements to consider. And if you're a new business and you're trying to curate content for yourself, it's exhausting to try and figure this out and it's so expensive. And what Suna did is they looked at where things are headed, especially when it comes to content creation. Every single brand is creating content, but not a lot of them are doing it efficiently. And that's where Suna Studios comes in. They offer gift creation, photos, video shoots, and you send them your product and you order your shoot, and then you can actually join the shoot as it happens and you get your content back within 24 hours. So it is truly fast, casual content at its finest, and I've never seen anything like it. So when I first got served the ads and then I started talking about Suna with some of my clients, I had to invite Liz on the podcast because I just knew that this was the next big thing for content creation. So. I know you're going to find a lot of value in this episode, but not only that, it's going to make you rethink how you get your content done and delivered and how you can stay more efficient in your business. Because let's face it, as business owners, you're running around doing a million different things. So I hope you love today's episode and I will catch you on the flip side. Hey Liz, welcome to the Next Big Thing Podcast. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked. Okay, so let's talk about Suna. What is Suna?
1: Well, Suna is a fast, casual content studio, but if that's not completely transparent to you, here's what we actually do. We make it possible for brands to get professional photos and videos from wherever they are for their e commerce and marketing. And the way it works is you make a booking online, tell us a little bit about the photo shoot you want to have, ship us your product, and then we invite you to a real-time virtual shoot in your browser where you can see every single photo and video clip as it's created and collaborate with the crew. It is really truly the world's first virtual photo shoot experience. And what people love about Suna is that it's a completely all a cart uh, photo experience. So you purchase the photos for $39 a piece. You only buy the ones you truly love. You purchase your videos for $93 a clip and we deliver them in 24 hours. We believe we are building the fastest, the most fun, and
0: the most affordable way to create professional photos and videos online. And and so also the term fast casual content, I feel like people are not used to outside of like the restaurant space. So, yeah. so how did you decide that that's how you were going to brand it as fast casual?
1: Yeah. You know, the... The inspiration really came from a lot of conversations with my co-founder around, you know, we aren't trying to do commercial production. We aren't trying to make your billboards. We aren't trying to make your Super Bowl ads. But we are trying to create this content that exists in the ecosystem that we are all transacting in every day. We're on e-commerce stores. We're on Amazon we're all on Etsy, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, and that content is fast. That content has a high turnover rate, and that content is something that isn't necessarily quite as formal as your traditional ad content. And so, when I thought about, you know, what are some of the businesses that I really admire that are kind of existing in this space? The businesses that came to mind for me were brands like Chipotle, where it's like, well, I'm going to get organic yes. ingredients, I'm going to get you know, really beautiful food, but it's going to be delivered to me really quickly and it's going to be customizable. And they really are one of the premier brands in the fast casual food movement. And so, you know, I think I'm a really big believer in like borrow from things that people understand and then make them your own. And
0: that to me, was sort of the analogy that made a lot of sense. So smart. And the Chipotle example is great too, is there's like, there's no compromise. Like just because no. it's faster, doesn't mean it's any less quality, right? Absolutely not. You're still satisfied. I mean, I think that's the thing that
1: you have to remember is how does a customer feel when they have this experience? And in our mind, a customer feels seen when they find Suna. It's like, oh my God, I needed this for so long for my business. (laughs) And so if you can really meet them where they are and not continually try to make them feel like they don't fit in or or they're not going to be satisfied, that's a win-win-win
0: all around. Completely. I... uh... I mean, I know I told you this before we started recording, but every single brand that's listening, we have a lot of entrepreneurs and founders listening. They are going to come to your website because this is such a, this is something that everyone wants, but they don't know how to do it themselves. And you think about like the traditional model of finding a photographer, finding studio space, finding props. It's like such a pain. And the fact that you guys do all of that and the turnaround time is what it is, is incredible. So I want to know, like, how did the, I mean, you've been, you've watched other brands in other spaces do this really well, but how did the idea for Suna come about?
1: It all started with a hike in Joshua Tree with my co-founder, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, So Haley, my co-founder Haley and I, we have actually worked together in production jobs for a little over five years now. She actually worked at my first company with me as our director of animation. And we became really great coworkers, but also incredible friends. We just had a very... We call ourselves kind of like creative soulmates. We like a lot of the same things. We see the world very similarly. I think one of the things people always should look for in a business partner are do you have kind of the same core values about how to treat people? Because so much of starting a business is interacting with people, be it customers or employees. And so... She and I uh, would always plan these fun trips together. We planned a trip to Palm Springs. We both really wanted to go to Joshua Tree, and so we're on a hike in Joshua Tree. And you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I really have now come to find out in retrospect is that there's a lot of research about your mind comes up with better ideas when you're in motion than when you're in stasis, which is super fascinating. If you there's actually a Stanford study that you can go read that really shows that neural activity around creative centers are actually more active when you're taking a walk than when you're sitting and so that's fascinating if you're, if you're trying to find good ideas and you're trying to find things to to ideate on go for a walk and go for yeah. a walk with someone who really inspires you but we were on a you know multi-hour walk and we just started talking about how really the production industry had not changed at all i had been in television for almost a decade before i started my business she had been in very traditional ad agency jobs for about a decade and we were like in 10 years of doing this, literally less than nothing has changed. We do a lot of the (laughs) same processes. We have the exact same types of systems. We have the same software. Why hasn't this changed when all the ways that we distribute this content has completely transformed? Instagram didn't exist when I started working in television. Facebook didn't exist. YouTube, I think came out when I was at my first television job. And so These platforms that we're using to tell stories, the platforms that brands are using to share their stories, they were evolving so quickly. And yet the ways we created that content, virtually the exact same. And so, yeah, over the course of that three-hour hike, we just kind of started saying like, well, what if we tried this? And what if we tried to make an experiential shoot that you could do online? And how could that be possible And I think what's really different about me from a lot of other people who have great ideas is that if I have an idea that I know is a lottery ticket idea, and that's how I really define it. There's a difference between a good idea and what is a lottery ticket idea. And a lottery ticket idea is it's a once in a lifetime idea. You could never recreate the circumstances in which you would come up with that kind of winner and it's a point of view that only you are going to have, right? You're only going to have the right set of numbers because of your experiences to see that idea to fruition. And so uh, the difference was, is that Haley and I got back from this trip and we just started talking to different experts that we knew in our, in our industry and came up with the initial prototype for how Suna worked within about eight months. So the, the power behind Suna is actually a technology innovation that we call camera to cloud and what it does is it actually provides that real-time review of the photos and it allows us to remove the photography experience from a studio location. So it gives us a lot more flexibility in terms of how we deliver that content. This is very in the weeds, but I think the the truth of the matter is, is it's it's having an idea counts for something, but it's actually having the follow through to say, okay, all these points of view that we had in this conversation, all these, you know, genesis of ideas that came to life, how does it? Become action? How does it become something I can turn into a business? That process took about eight to 10 months before we had a working prototype. And then I remember in the fall of of 2018, we both looked at each other and said, We're going to have to go after this.
0: I mean, it's freaking brilliant. Like, it's, so, I mean, so anyone listening, I've told everyone about Tuna, like, everyone knows about <laughs> it. I was so excited to have you guys on because what you've said is so true when you think about how how so much has changed, yet nothing had changed. So yeah. much ha- evolution had happened of content creation, so many brands needing to create content, and yet they were using the same archaic methods that have been used for so long to develop content. It's crazy.
1: We, we do that as humans, right? We think we're really innovative innovative because we invent like a new widget. But when the world actually moves forward it's when we look at how we do the thing that we're excited about that actually moves the world forward. So if you think about like the iPhone, I hate using the iPhone as an example, but it is really the most pertinent example. Uh, it, it wasn't, that we just tried to make phones a little bit better, right? It wasn't like Steve Jobs was like, let me take your at-home phone and just add the internet to it. He said, <laughs> I, I want you to, I want to fundamentally rethink the experience of yes. using a phone. And that's yes. that's where the best ideas come from. You, When you think from an experiential point of view and then build from there, that is how you get from A to B with any kind of meaningful outcome. I think a lot of people are afraid of that, though. And I hope your listeners, you know, since so many people are founders, really understanding what is my point of view about what I'm building. Because my point of view on Suna is that this isn't going to be the essential way that we create content for a very long time. But my job as the founder of this business is to constantly be pushing the edge of how do we make this experience better? Because making the
0: experience better is what's going to keep us a strong company that has a lot of future ahead of us. Absolutely. Going back to the Steve Jobs example, it reminds me of Elon Musk with the Cybertruck, how when the Cybertruck came out, everyone was like, this is the ugliest car we've ever seen. Like, this is (laughs) heinous. And he was like, well, I'm not going to create a pickup truck that looks like other pickup trucks. The idea is that I'm creating a net new experience for people that reinvents the pickup truck in a way that they've never thought about it before. And so, yeah. And so that, like, that it's true. It's like you could have just said, I'm going to reinvent the telephone and just add a few things. It's like, that's not what it's about. So I totally agree with you on that. Um, let's talk about what, so for people listening, you know, you mentioned on your website that SUNA is less than the price of stock, which is brilliant. But then also for, um, for people who want to consider using Suna, what are all of the different types of content that they can get through Suna? When you think about Suna, I really
1: want you to think about all the content that you share online. So that's everything you put on your e-commerce store. That's what you have on social media. It's what you're using in your digital ads. It's your email marketing. That content is the content that powers the transactions in your business. It makes those transactions possible. And one of the challenges of using a traditional photo shoot or traditional production for creating that content is it's kind of a one and done. You don't have the flexibility. Yeah, sure, you can go rent a studio for a few thousand dollars. You can go hire a photographer for their day rate and then go buy the props and find the models that you need. But you better get that right on that day because the average photo shoot cost you're going to have in a market like Chicago where this, you know, this Sam is or in a market like Denver where I live is going to be $10,000. And so you're going to need to make sure you're getting hundreds of assets out of that single shoot. What Suna understands though, is that we live in a much more opportunistic time. And so being able to pop up a photo shoot and say, you know, I really only need 10 to 12 photos this week around some of my, my marketing initiatives. And so let me get those 10 to 12 photos and pay a reasonable price for those and, and be more reflective of what are the real cadences in my business. Or, you know, maybe you just straight up forgot that Easter's coming and you want to do some spring themed content instead of trying to pop up an emergency $10,000 photo shoot, let's get you some great content that meets that spring look that helps you really fit in with what the trend of the moment is and pay $39 a photo. That's a win-win for everybody. And
0: that's what we're
1: really going to be great at for your business.
0: Yeah. That's the best part. Cause who wants to have to even coordinate all that. Absolutely. No one. It's a nightmare. And yeah. you know, what we're finding is the more
1: we add to the photo. Fo- so you know, one of the things I, we added last year that I'm so excited about is our marketplace. So you can add a hand model, a pet model, a full body model to your shoot right there in the dashboard. It is a flat fee. We show you what models are available and you want a Labrador. You got it. We're going to give you a Labrador. It's going to cost you $199 and you're going to save hours and hours of your life yes. and your photos are going to be better. And right. that's what's so important as a founder save your time, save your sanity, save your money. It's like, literally, I want you to win. I want you to sell a ton of your product. I want you to make a shitload of money. So create content that's going to help you do that. And don't waste time on planning photo
0: shoots that are just a pain. Absolutely. And who would you say that that soon is good for? Because I think it's good for some brands, right? And then obviously not the best fit for other brands.
1: Yeah. If you are just starting out or or you've already started a company and you're launching a new product, Suna is going to be great for you because you're going to be able to create a really cohesive brand look and feel. You can get started from the ground, ensure that all your e-commerce images are really on point while at the same time starting to form that brand look and feel on the platform, collaborating with the photographer to see what, what makes sense. Where we also see though a ton of traction and where I think a lot of the customers who love Suna the most are, are these brands that are between you know, five million and fifty million in sales and are just creating so much content to keep up with that sales transaction, to, to keep up with their sales goals. So, you know, we look at a company like Snow, um, Snow Toothpaste and Snow Teeth Whitening. They are a, a power customer of Suna. They're shooting almost every single month, in part because they are growing so fast. And so they want to launch every single new product with a Suna look. They want to launch every single new campaign with consistency. And so Suna helps them scale that content where you're going from maybe five to 10 products to 50 products and making sure that everything looks the same, is experienced the same, and has that brand look that you really want to to show off your polish and your professionalism.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh. So needed. All right. I want to hear about your personal experience, your personal background. So before Suna, you had a company called Mightier, which actually got acquired, which is amazing. So what was the process like starting that brand and then going all the way to acquisition?
1: You know, when you start a company, maybe this is true for some people, but for me, when I started my company, I didn't even know being acquired was a thing. Uh, I started the company sort of saying, hey, I've really loved my career editing television, but I think I'm learning that I'm more interested in these internet uh, distribution tools. And so I became fascinated with creating video content for YouTube, creating video content for Instagram. And so I wanted to build a business that could help big brands do that at scale. So over the course of running my dear, we went from you know, $0 to a $3 million a year business. We worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. Facebook was one of our biggest customers. Uh, brands like uh, Bosch and and brands like Electro Voice and brands like and Adobe like we were very much in like this tech world of creating ads for brands like those and it was it was an incredible experience but I think what I realized after seven years was there's kind of a ceiling on on what you can do with a business like that you can just keep growing it and you can keep you know providing those services but for me as a person it was like I'm just gonna keep making more ads and making more beautiful ads, but I don't know what else I do with this to really grow as a person and grow as a as an entrepreneur. And so when I when I realized that Suna was going to be a thing and that I was going to go big on SUNA, I started talking to business brokers about what kind of company would even buy a production company because it, it wasn't obvious to me. And I really do recommend that you talk to a business broker. You don't necessarily have to hire one to sell your company, but A business broker is basically kind of like a real estate broker. They take a business, they market it to a variety of sellers. And if they sell your company, they take a commission on that transaction. And the process took almost a year from start to finish and there's a lot of things you have to do to get your business ready to be sold and you know it's everything from documenting all the processes in the business making sure all your contracts with your customers are rock solid making sure all your financial documents and all your tax documents are really well prepared and easy to understand that there are sort of missing materials And that process takes a long time. It's not easy. And, you know, there definitely is something to be said for if you just want to be done, you totally can do that. But for me, I sort of saw it as I have 15 amazing people who work at this company who are exceptionally talented at this very specific thing. I have these customers who love working with these people. I don't want to just, you know, give it up and and move on. I want to create some kind of path for them to continue to work together and be successful. And so that was the process I took is really working with a broker to figure out how to prepare the business for sale. And then ultimately um, ended up selling to standard. And it was an amazing fit because what standards doing is really kind of the next generation of what my company could have been, but I just didn't want to do right. So their (laughs) business is great. They started a streaming platform last year. They have over 50 shows on YouTube. I mean, they are in a completely uh, new and interesting path of creating programming for these digital platforms that is really successful and awesome. And I think my, my teammates, my former teammates are having a chance to shine and learn and grow in new ways. And honestly, that's the best part of an acquisition. If you can create an opportunity for your people, that's what makes you feel like you really succeeded in the process. You know, the money is, is nice, but it's, it's always going to be for me about making sure that I'm creating good legacy for the people that I work with.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's like that it's a credibility thing. It's a credibility factor that you want to make sure that you're not just like saying goodbye, sayonara and then these people feel like they're left in the dust and it's kind of it's a reputation thing. Totally.
1: Yeah, no, and I think as women, I take my reputation very seriously. It's not just a Taylor Swift song, you know. It's a <laughs> It's a real, it's a real thing for me of like, you might not like me, but you better believe you're going to respect me because I hold myself to a damn high standard. Yeah, And that's, that's something that, you know, I value in other people as well. When I meet someone and I can see that they're high integrity, uh, that's someone I want to spend time with That's someone I want to work with that those things matter.
0: Yeah, I agree. What about your journey to becoming an entrepreneur? Like, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Did it just happen out of like... Maybe you were just over being in television. Like what was that path like?
1: I think I have a really unusual. Yeah, I actually I know I have an unusual path because I was born into a family that had businesses. So I was born in northern Minnesota. My family had a tree Wait, farm. We we're, were in Minnesota. I grew up in on the Iron Range in northern Minnesota.
0: Oh nice. Yeah. So So that's why cool. you guys were in Minneapolis then.
1: It is. It is part of why we're in Minneapolis. Also, Minneapolis is just Exceptional for talent. Uh, If you're ever trying to like hire incredible humans, Minneapolis is pretty amazing place to hire humans. Uh Um, so I grew up in Northern Minnesota. My family had a couple of businesses. One of them was a tree farm. We sold Christmas trees and, and trees to garden centers. And then we had a canoe outfitter where people could go on canoe expeditions in the Boundary Waters National Canoe Area, which is a national park that is between the northern border of Minnesota and Canada. And these were businesses that my family had for over 25 years. I grew up you know, walking around the lots with the trees. I grew up cleaning canoes. I grew up watching my grandfather talk to customers. And it was so interesting to me to see you know, how you build can build a community around a business. I grew up in a town of 2,000 people. Everybody knew my grandfather about his business. Everyone knew who he was. And it's not that I wanted to be known. It was just that I was really comfortable with this idea that if you have a great business, you can actually build a community and you can build an entire network around it. And so when I went to school for television, I think it was sort of out of my talents. It was what I thought I was going to be good at. And, you know, listen, I was good at it, but it was after a decade of doing that, that I was like, something is missing in me. And I think the thing that's missing in me is I'm not moving towards what I grew up in. It's not, it's so funny how you get older. You know, you spend so much of your twenties trying to sort of reject who you were and where you came from. And as I get older, I just want to get closer to where I'm from and what I... (laughs) What I grew up with, you know, I want to have. I describe when I describe to you now, it's so funny. Uh, I describe a tree farm in a in a canoe outfitter, and it sounds almost poetic. It doesn't sound real, but when I was in my twenties, I I think I looked down on it in a certain way, and now I go, oh my god, I had an ex- in such an exceptional upbringing. I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of the way that. You know, my grandfather conducted business. He's never, you know, he never built a venture back business. He didn't build a multi-million dollar business, but he built a really important part of our community that provided jobs and experiences and, and happiness for so many people. And for me, uh, when I decided to start a business, it was almost exclusively because I wanted to tap into those values that my grandfather brought to my childhood.
0: Wow. I love that. I, it's funny when you talk about being in your twenties, it's like, you're so, resistant to things. You're so resistant to, (laughs) yeah, it's so weird to think about because I feel the same way. I feel like I was really resistant to even like places that I was living and just like not accepting that actually, like I really enjoy being home and like, I enjoy being near family. And like this, like this aesthetic of, of living a certain place and living a certain lifestyle really just wasn't naturally what felt like it was a good, was a good fit for me.
1: A hundred percent. And it's actually so sometimes I describe it to folks as it's an act of bravery to accept that you're different from what you thought you were. You can think you're a certain way. You know, I, for a really long time thought I had to uh, be a big personality all the time. And I think a lot of people on the internet think I'm a big personality all the time, but outside of work, I'm pretty fucking low key. You know, I <laughs> I don't go to parties. I don't do a lot of the big industry events. I'm not really interested in like influencer culture. Like that stuff is just not fascinating to me. But I love rescuing animals, preparing plant-based meals, you know, hanging out in my yard. I'm so chill in my, in my not entrepreneurial life. And I was so resistant to not being, to somehow being perceived as like boring or, or not a go-getter or something like that. And it's like, no, I can hustle my ass off at work all day. And then I need to reset and like retap into who am I as a person outside of this journey.
0: Yeah. And like what you're naturally drawn to versus what you think other people should expect you to do or be drawn to. Like that's mm-hmm. really hard. And then like when you're in your thirties, you just totally embrace it and it just feels really good and like, and normal. Like that's the best part. Okay. So I want to pivot a little bit. Cause I want to talk about, I want to talk about how I discovered Suna and how I'm sure a lot of people have discovered the brand. So you guys run ads. I came across your ads and I was like, this is freaking brilliant. I need to talk to them. And I'm, I'm really curious how has running ads helped scale this concept for you guys? Yeah, you know, running ads. Okay, so
1: I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a secret that is in Sina. So running ads for a B2B business like ours is not necessarily something that's super obvious. And if you were to go to a tech accelerator like we went to, uh, there'd be a lot of emphasis on running ads and how to successfully run digital ads if you had a consumer company or if you had a product company. There's very little knowledge sharing and very little resources on how do you build a B2B business using digital ads. In fact, it's it's borderline pathetic in my opinion. And so we actually looked at a lot of the businesses who were trying to do something similar to us and we were seeing what were they doing. And what they were doing was they were investing a ton of money in sales teams. So people who just are picking up the phone, sending in emails, you know, doing direct outreach to brands on LinkedIn. And I just thought you know what? I think we're going to try something slightly different and I'm going to make it on based on two bets. And the first bet was the people who are going to need our content are spending all their day on these platforms, creating content and sharing content. It's a huge part of their job. And so if we can meet them where they are, I think we can get their attention. Oh my God. The
0: way that you say that is so freaking true because the like, like the, um, the gut instinct would be like, okay, we're a professional company and we're B2B. So we need to be on LinkedIn. But like at the end of the day, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok. 100%. Yeah, yep.
1: no, hundred percent. And then the second big bet that we made was if we do a really good job of inviting our customers to talk about the SUNY experience, they're going to help us find the next three every single time. And so What I mean by that is, you know, during a virtual shoot with Suna, we talk about what's your Instagram handle. We talk about what's working on TikTok. We talk about, you know, during the shoot, like, Hey, what are some things that you're struggling with on social media and then try to help find ways to solve it. And if we do that successfully and we help you win, we know that that customer is going to talk about Suna. And so that, that to me is like,
0: if you make your customer a hero, they're always going to have your back. And and like the cost her lead really, becomes so different than if you were just looking at the number from ads, right? because you know that it goes beyond that
1: and there's actually um I'm trying to think of what their name is, I don't think I'm going to remember, but um there's a company we worked with that sells these beautiful pillows that look like plants and they did a video with us for TikTok, and this video exploded. It had like eight million views in three days. Wow, and they sold out. they were sold out of pillows. And that customer was so willing to be like, Suna help me make this video. They made it so easy. I'm going to run so many more TikTok videos because I have a tool like Suna. And that's what I mean. Like, when a brand that sells plant pillows is figuring out <laughs> yeah, how to way. unlock. I'm sorry but the way that no, true. But isn't that wild? Like, a brand that has this exceptionally specific niche yeah. is having success on TikTok with a video clip that they could have never created on their own. Right. That's We become a secret weapon for that kind of customer. And I I cannot emphasize enough the importance. And I even in my first business, I thought this was true. It's not about me succeeding as a business. As weird as that sounds, it's about your customer succeeding. And if your customer is succeeding, if your customer feels like they're winning, you will win. That is the downstream effect of
0: really honing in on what your customers need. I have chills. As a marketer, that's like all you could ever you could ever want. I mean, that's what you guys are doing. So it's, it's so true. I'm really curious. So it sounds like combo of like ads and then word of mouth. Like, are there any other, uh, things that have worked well for you guys in getting the word out about the brand? I mean, I am just a mad woman about Talking about so, there's
1: probably like three things that have been really huge. One is I am really proactive on Clubhouse. I will join any direct to consumer or e commerce or founder meetup group, and I will you know make myself available to chat, answer questions, support people, and thinking about so, their their content. So Clubhouse are you running
0: rooms or are you jumping into rooms? I just
1: ask, hey, can I? I run a you company that to come on stage, one hundred percent. And I will sometimes reach out to in, instead of just like. um Instead of just like joining a room and then raising my hand, what I'll do is I'll you know look at who's running a room. I'll DM them on, on Twitter and say, hey, I love that you're running this room. I have a company that did over uh, 1.5 million e-commerce photos last year. I know a lot about this industry. I can help do a class or do a clubhouse or do a QA. and a on what's working in e-commerce images and what's working in Instagram images and like just offering to provide that kind of AMA is like, it's so huge. I literally did one at one o'clock in the morning with a London uh, direct to consumer founder group today. You know, it's, it's work on my part, right? Like I have to make myself available for that, but I think making your job as the founder, I always say like part one of my job is clear communication to whoever needs our help. And so I really try to hone in on that. The second thing we did that was really smart is we built a Shopify app. So because we knew that a lot of our customers were on Shopify, we just built an integration that made it possible for them to use Suna more easily. And we get like 15% of our customer acquisitions every single month from just organic search on the Shopify app store.
0: For organic search? No way. Is that because of the keywords that you guys are using for that? It's just such a
1: gray space. Like there's just not solutions for creating custom photography. There's a lot of solutions that are like, Hey, take a shitty picture on your iPhone and we'll turn that into an okay
0: picture. Yeah. And then like pay Um, us a thousand dollars for
1: it. Yeah. But nobody actually wants an okay picture. Everybody wants a great picture. And so, um, I think just the, the fact that it's such a wide open category and that we also do more than just product on white. So There's a lot of companies that have tried to tackle this from just say, hey, we will make you great product on white pictures, but let's be real. Nobody wants a product on white picture. It's sort of like wanting socks. It's the most basic, basic, basic thing. What you really want is the lifestyle picture. What you really want is the branded picture. What you really want is like that mix of content that gets consumers excited. And so we're really the only solution on the Shopify uh, app store that provides that. God. uh, the final smart thing we did. And, you know, maybe this is, this is something everybody can steal no matter what category that you're in. We just found a way to offer something for free that gives people a chance to try the experience with very little, uh, challenge. And that's super fun. So we do something called headshots for all and headshots for all is literally, you can just make an appointment to come in and get a free headshot from Suna in one of our locations. We have three in the country right now, Denver, Minneapolis, and Austin. We'll build more over time. But uh, the amount of people who send me their free headshot that they got taken at Suna and then tell 8,000 other people about their free headshot they got at Suna, it's just exactly. you know, it's it's low cost. It's the trickle effect super you're easy. talking about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So just ask yourself, what is the, what is the thing I can give away that other people will be excited to share. Believe me, that's the key. What are they going to be excited to share? Giving someone something for free that they don't
0: want to share does nothing for you. (laughs) But if they want to share it, that does something for you. Ooh, good point. Um, What what has been the most challenging part of building Suna that maybe you just like were not expecting? I think it's really hard to build a company of the
1: size I'm trying to build from my house, to be honest. Um, You know, we had... I'll give you a really pertinent example last week with all the storms in Austin, we had a ton of damage to our, our warehouse in Austin. And we're still trying to figure out like truly how bad the damage is, because it's not necessarily safe for me to just hop on a plane and go check out what's going on. Um, And so I think the like pandemic in particular has made it really hard for me to always know, like when we have big problems, especially around our infrastructure how to deal with it. The other thing I would just say is, you know, I ultimately, I love meeting our customers. I love knowing what people are excited about. I love knowing what they don't like. I want to hear what they don't like so I can make the product better. And it's hard to find organic ways to connect with customers in this format. You know, we do all these Zoom calls and these Zoom happy hours and it's fine, but I think there's just something different about you know, being able to invite people to a private event or being able to have like a a party every year that I desperately miss. And I really can't freaking wait until we can do it again.
0: Yeah. I don't blame you. That's, that's a whole level of challenges i'm sure you're just like not ready for
1: <laughs> I, even this morning i had a call about our roof in austin and oh like we still don't know how long it's going to take to repair our roof and oh, it's wow. it's just kind of like okay i'm i'm at the mercy of the universe and let me see it, you know what i can do to to solve this and and i always advise for entrepreneurs control the controllables and let go of the rest in this case like the controllable thing is what vendors i'm working with and uh, you know how much I'm able to pay them. and so I'm working on those two questions. The rest I kind of have to let go so that I don't drive myself nuts. yeah
0: <laughs> okay on that note I'm, I'm I would love to know and I'm sure our listeners would love to know too because you have just such a great like confident energy about you. How have you been able to build resilience throughout your career with especially this industry I mean you're you're putting the pedal to the metal and you're evolving this industry but with what you were talking about earlier of like the platforms evolving so quickly, like how do you stay resilient?
1: Okay. Yeah. There's ultimately two things I think you have to harness in yourself to become the confident powerhouse that you can become. The first is you've got to accept who you are and let go of the rest. And what I really mean by that is I think we spend a lot of time in the world of like leadership development, trying to changing, try to change certain things about people that they simply cannot change. There are people who are introverts that are never going to be extroverts. There are people who are exceptionally data-driven that are never going to become creative. And instead of sort of fighting the wave of, hey, I need to evolve or I need to grow, not everything is about growth. Sometimes it's just about loving yourself for exactly who you are and having total conscientiousness about here's the things I'm exceptional at in the world. And here are the things that I just do not exceed at in the world. And the moment you sort of harness the willingness to say, I love myself despite this reality, and I'm willing to lean into the things I'm good at, you kind of give yourself some freedom and you don't start fighting with yourself all the time to be someone different than who you are. So just, you know, one of the things I, I described to some of the leaders at my company is just make a personal inventory of everything that you really do love about yourself. And then just start using that as kind of the pillars from which your leadership is going to grow. Oh, and I love that. It's super easy to, to, to do and it's really fun and you can do it with a friend and share it with each other and see what comes out. The second thing that then happens is you, you must, and I know this is hard, but you must be willing to cultivate a community around yourself that values you for those things that we just talked about. And so I often describe it as the five essential people that you need in your circle to live in confidence. And one of them is the cheerleader the person who's going to celebrate everything with you, who's always going to show up when something great happens and who's never going to resent you for your success. Watch out for those people. You don't need those people in your life. Somebody who's resenting you for your success is uh, actually someone you should kick out of your life because it breaks down our confidence. The second is the helper, the person who's going to roll up their sleeves and go to work with you and you really need help, whatever that is. The third is the inquirer is someone who just will ask you questions, help you explore what's going on with you, help you explore what you're good at. You know, that's oftentimes the person that you sit down and do that personal inventory with, uh, the fourth is the commiserator, the person who literally will let you go low when you need to go low, who will let you complain when you need to complain and who's not going to try to fix it. They're just going to allow you to exist in your in your sadness and see you as still a complete and full person for that sadness. And the fifth and final is probably the one that is the most, you know, open and and anyone in your life can really fill this role. It's it's just being the supporter. The person who's standing there beside you supporting what you're doing and not trying to steal your thunder but really show you that they're, they're they've got your back no matter what. For me, you know, that's my husband, that's my business partner, that's my brother. You know, we all have those people in your life and just putting a name to it and saying, "Wow, look at me. I have so many supporters." That builds confidence because it's saying, "I'm not alone. I'm not trying to do this alone. I'm not going to conceive of, you know, a future where I'm going to continue to do this alone." I'm here in this moment doing what I'm aspiring to do and look at all the people who are supporting me in this community. And once you've got those two things, that personal inventory of what you're great at and the community of people who also see you for those
0: things, life's kind of gravy after that. You can do fucking anything
1: if you have those two things.
0: That's so good. I also, it reminds me too of people who have friends because they've been friends for a while versus really understanding if the friendships add value to your life and vice versa, right? It's kind of like taking what you're saying that like personal inventory of your friend group and being like, okay, do I just have these friends because they've been friends forever, but I can't really like describe why I'm friends with them, you know? And I've had a lot of, I've lost a lot of friends over the last, you know,
1: I've been doing entrepreneurship now. It'll be nine years this, this summer, which is crazy. Uh, I've lost a lot of friends and I'm, you know, that's not because I did something wrong or they did something wrong. It's that through evolving in my confidence of who I am, I've realized where my energy needs to be spent and where I find the most value in other relationships. And, you know, there's one friendship in particular that I reflect on now. And I just say like, this person could not love me as a successful person. They could only love me as someone who was struggling because that was what was comfortable for them. Yeah.
0: And that's like, that was like how you could relate to each other almost. Mm-hmm.
1: And the holding on to that, you know, the, the, it's really easy to say like it's unkind or it's mean to to sort of have a friendship breakup and you know the reframe I would give folks is it's really unkind to yourself to force yourself to be someone you're no longer needing to be or wanting to be. And you know whether or not you're being unkind to someone else maybe you're also holding them back. Maybe you're also preventing them from growing in the way that they need to grow. And you come back around the, the sun and see each other in a decade and you'll be different people. And maybe there's a different friendship that can be built on a
0: different type of foundation. Oh, I love that. I like that self-reflection part too, because it's not always just about them. It's about you too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could talk about stuff forever, but I, I'd <laughs> love to know like where, what is the future of soon? I mean, you guys are already moving at the speed of light, but where, what is your, what is your long-term plan and what are you guys working toward right now?
1: We're really trying to build the essential photo and video solution in your technology stack for your business. So if you think about all the tools that you use to run your business, maybe you use Shopify to run your store. Maybe you're using Klaviyo to run your emails. Maybe you're using Salesforce to run your CRM. Think about the tools that you have in your toolbox to run your business. We want Suna to be one of those essential tools. And so everything we do, every product we build, every launch we we are focused on they're really working towards this idea of how do we become this essential tool to the businesses that we serve. And a lot of the ideas that people will see coming up in the next year, you know, it'll be uh, the ability to self-schedule your shoots, the ability to add more fun types of models and more fun types of experiences to your shoots. Uh, we're really working on trying to surface trends for brands and helping them choose what trends work best for their type of business. And so the, the things that make us your, your, your content BFF is, is really what I'm focused on.
0: Amazing. And where can people find you?
1: I'm on all the things, but first go follow Suna on all the things we're at Suna Studios. And then you can follow me at Liz Georgie on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm constantly dropping knowledge on how to be founder and how to be a confident woman. And so come join me. We, we, I'd love to get to know you. Amazing. And what's your um, clubhouse name? Oh, it's Atlas Georgie also. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay yeah, everything's Atlas Georgie now. We're I've officially moved into a, a life of just being Atlas Georgie and everything <laughs> for the purposes of
0: simplicity. So nice. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, this was awesome. Thank you so much. And I know everyone's going to go check soon out. So thank you for coming on the podcast and taking the time to give really honestly some really wonderful feedback for people I'm sure that are going to be grateful to hear it.
1: I am so happy that you invited me and I hope everyone has, you know, has a moment today where they go, I'm going to make a personal inventory and, and really understand what's awesome about me. So thank you so much. Yeah,
0: I agree. I swear, Liz is such a badass to be able to come up with this idea and have the trajectory, career trajectory that she's had. I admire her so much and I'm so excited to see Stuna just take over the industry and really offer people convenient, efficient content creation. That's what we all need because we just don't have a lot of time in our day. If you love today's episode and you're on your iPhone, please swipe up, give us five stars, write us a review. If you haven't already, it helps us get discovered by more people that are looking for this content. So any little bit helps and I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate you guys for listening every single week. The feedback that I get from DMs to text messages makes my day and makes me feel like this podcast is helping people out there. So thank you so much for all of your support. Always. It means the world to me, and I can't wait to bring you more content that really helps you in your day-to-day business and life. So with that said, I will catch you guys next week.